Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It's too uh, fucking professional. I don't like it. And also, uh, uh, if we, you know, use such things, um, it's got like a... Oh, no. <laughs> Unacceptable. We are not turning this into a goddamn morning show. No. No, Brian, stop it. That's obviously what the people want. Can I ask you something, Brian? Yeah. Are you still cool with the agreement we made off, Mike, that you're only going to do that after every time Noah talks? But <laughs> uh, Every time Noah makes a point. We're supposed to be friends, guys. <laughs> All right. You, you know, it's almost as bad as inappropriate laughter. Wow. Inappropriate music during very uh, disturbing <laughs> scenes. <laughs> to be fair, that was a trend throughout um, irrationally yeah, it, upsetting movies in the 70s well, and would, 80s. Well, yeah, it was the fucking 70s. What? Because it's not like it was just a pure trend, right? There's plenty of examples of movies that take serious stuff seriously and have good soundtracks. But then there's also this rash of horror movies where they're like, hmm, here's a rape scene. <laughs> All right, Noah, since you obviously want to talk about it, why don't you tell us about Schoolgirls in Chains? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a, a very not good combination of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre minus cannibalism. With uh, Psycho minus Suspense. Uh, <laughs> toss in a little bit of that good old incest loving. And that's it. That's this entire movie. It's it's basically two weird brothers that kidnap girls, lock them up in a basement, and then one brother plays r- really disturbing games with them. Although... I guess technically he never like injures anybody. He, I'm not saying he didn't assault people because there's sexual connotations that are terrible, but that's really weird. And then the other brother who does straight up rape a girl and they play weird romantic jazz music over it because that's <laughs> appropriate. 
Yeah, and then the big reveal at the end is just the psycho reveal. I mean, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious to me that they thought they could get away with the psycho ripoff. <laughs> like, it, it's 1973. Psycho's not that old of a movie. People were probably still talking about it. The idea that you can. They've been getting their instructions from their mother, and it turns out the mother has been a corpse this whole time. Is so absurd that they thought, like, no one's going to notice. It's not even done poorly or anything. It's just, I think they actually went and got the prop from the set of Psycho and reused the exact same prop. It's the exact same reveal. It's so funny. I mean, you know what the weirdest thing about this movie is? Is the acting isn't atrocious. You'd think it would be. But it's really not. I don't. It's just not. Uh, I was telling you guys on the thing. So it reminds me a lot of. There's a movie called The Grave Digger and His Pals, which is kind of like. Uh, it, I, did we do Blood Feast on here? You guys have seen Blood Feast, right? I've seen it. I don't think we've done it on here. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 Blood Feast, but shitty. Okay. And Blood Feast is already kind of shitty. <laughs> So but it's an interesting it, perspective you've brought. Yeah, it's a, it's a well, it's an entire movie that's about three guys that are going out at night, killing women, cutting out their body parts, then taking them back to a restaurant and serving those body parts as the special in the restaurant. Which sounds like a super dark, twisted, really cool fucking movie, and then it's not. It's it's a cheesy, weird and all of the dialogue is very uh, happy days. It's, a, you know, it's golly shucks, man. You just cut out that girl's tongue. You know, it's like, what? You know, that's, that's not the way this works. That's not the way human beings talk. Are you talking about that other movie or Blood Feast? Because I can't tell. <laughs> right, right. Blood Feast does the same thing. Right. Yeah, it's something about that era of films. And yeah, and the crazy thing is throughout the whole movie, every time there's like a murder scene, it's playing like fucking Benny Hill music to to fairly graphic murder scenes, and you're like, what? Who who made this decision? Who was the person sitting in that room that was like, this is really gonna freak audiences out? What's up? Could you just do everyone a favor and Explain how this discussion of this other movie relates to what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> well, because it's it's the exact same. This movie has the same thing. It's totally the exact same. It's a fairly on paper. This is a dark film that's real fucked up. Mm-hmm. But all the dialogue is just creepily not that. And then the music over the top of the things that's going on is also not that. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I think some of that is just the era this came out in. Um, Like, independent film was not being made by people who could afford writers. So if you go back and you watch a lot of the movies from this era that are, like, lower budget, the dialogue is just not good. And the reason it's not good is because they didn't have professional writers to, like, clean it up. And musically, I think a lot of times they just were putting what they could afford in or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't it, know. It's, it's, it's a problem it's with like the whole went, era of it's, it's like they went to the neighborhood ice cream truck and they're like, can we borrow your Calliope soundtrack, please? 
Because the interesting thing about this film is that, like, the assault scenes are really effective. They are dark in the way that they're supposed to be, and they're upsetting. Um, and you're not wrong to imply that, like, then they go and they try to have a conversation, and you're like, well, that's weird. Why are they talking like that? And, like, the one brother that's more, like, I guess he's supposed to be, he's got that weird, like, mentally handicappedness that only exists in movies where you're an adult, but you still sort of act like a kid. Um, he's, man babies. He's, We've watched a lot of movies lately that have weird man-baby characters. It is well, true. I was going to bring that up. Roughly 80% of the movies made between 1970 and 1990 had a man-baby character in them. That's how that worked. So it's really not our fault that we keep watching them. Um, but it's it's weird to have them speaking that way and then doing these horrific things. And it's obvious that like there's a filmmaker with a talent for putting like really upsetting scenes together, but he doesn't have the actors and the writers to provide him what he needs to do that if that makes sense because the scenes like the the scenes i found the most disturbing were the the doctor scenes where the mentally handicapped guy is playing doctor with these girls and like forcing them to undress so that he can um like check them out or whatever and at one point he's like gonna cut into the one girl because he's decided he needs she needs surgery and stuff and it's so upsetting to watch yeah, but you're jabbing them with like a dirty needle. Yeah, and it's it's done in like a really interesting way, which is that I have no idea if he's torturing these girls or not. Like watching them, I even rewound one of the scenes to watch it again, like where he's making the girl undress, and he's clearly happy that she's undressing. And I'm like, I don't know if he's like aroused by the fact that she's getting undressed, or if he's just excited because he likes playing doctor and he's his brain is so messed up that he doesn't realize what he's doing to her both are horrific in different ways and i can't tell which one it is which i think is on purpose and it's really good filmmaking which is again betrayed by some of the low budget problems that come along with the era yeah i can't and i also can't decide if it's intentional and effective or not in the fact that it feels like it keeps building towards something and you're like oh here it comes so he's about to do something terrible to this girl, and then it never quite actually happens. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, And he's got them in these really vulnerable situations where these horrible things could happen, and he doesn't do them. And that part feeds into part of the, like, I think he's just not all there and thinks he's playing a game and doesn't realize that he's torturing these women, which is in some ways more horrific because it's like he can't even be mad at him even though he's doing terrible things you know what i mean it, it makes the brother character that allows him to do these things much worse but it makes him more of an innocent character and it's all very upsetting um it just it, it's weird that somebody managed to put together a film where you can watch a guy doing these two girls and you don't necessarily see him as a bad guy despite him doing these terrible things Where, where are you at on all this, Brian? Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's been... It's been <laughs> five the, weeks since we watched this movie. <laughs> behind the curtain. We haven't recorded for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and I watched them a couple weeks ago. And I, I didn't like this movie, but I don't... Honestly, don't remember a whole lot. Like, everything you're saying, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. But I think overall, I was just like, nah. Like, this was not one of my favorite weeks that we've done on the show. 
That's for sure. Yeah, this one was uh, thoroughly just mediocre, mm-hmm. which generally is the movies that I can tolerate the least. I would rather watch a fucking terrible movie than a movie that's just okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, did, I think I'm probably the most positive on this film out of the three of us, but, I mean, acknowledging that that's a low bar, where I'm like, I, I thought certain scenes were very effective. I, I mean, as much as you can call it a plot where the they go and kidnap the girl that lives like too close by and her, I think, is it her professor and her boyfriend or something like that? I think he's both. Is yes. like it was just it, it's weird her, that that's her not inappropriate relationship. Yeah, it's not even addressed in the film because I think in the seventies it was just okay for a professor to date their student. I'm not sure. That's the impression I get from this film. I wasn't alive when it was made, so I'm not sure what society was like back then. But like that whole like air quotes plot it's executed fine right like where he goes to the house and they're like oh no we're not here and then like the mother's upstairs and then of course like when he stops for gas somebody tells him that the mother is dead and that's how he knows to go back and all that stuff's okay um none of it's great but i i i we watch so much garbage on this podcast that sometimes (laughs) i'm just like you know it was all fine it's all okay and, so uh, what you're saying is I've had a positive effect on your life. Yeah, you've, uh, I've you've made built me up your appreciate to shit. mediocrity. Yeah, <laughs> like, like as, as long as it's not the worst thing I've seen, it's fine. Um, well, they even pull the uh, psycho motif, if you will, um, where we get them kidnapping some girl whose car broke down. Yeah, and then. I think we're supposed to assume that that's sort of our main character. And then they kill her off like halfway through the movie. Yeah. And they bring in this other girl that they kidnap. She sort of becomes like the main focus of the movie. But does not pull it off like nowhere nearly as well as Psycho does. Of course. Like Doug said, they were pretty brazen in the fact that they were just (laughs) snatching the plot of Psycho. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's. Psycho meets Last House on the Left. That's what this is, right? Yeah. It's literally trying to merge those two concepts. And it's closer to Last House on the Left than it is to Psycho in quality. I don't know why, but that, not not this movie per se, but that concept, just, it it made me feel ill for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's the correct reaction. That just means you're human and you heard what I said. Um, yeah, it's still that grimy grossness from Last yeah. House, but you're still like trying to be a little bit more sophisticated with Psycho, and yeah. it's just some movies that should not be intertwined betwixt one another. <laughs> be like you be, it's it's like a combination of Schindler's List and I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying this movie has like all the all you know the the deceased mother and the incest of the psycho series with the you know the the rape and torture from last house on the left what's wrong with that with the with the soundtrack of killer clowns from outer space <laughs> to be fair last house on the left has a pretty rough soundtrack itself so that's what i'm saying it's it's a trend from this era for these types of movies to not know what music to put over these horrific it, scenes which, which one's the one that there's basically no music is that I spit on your grave? Is that the one where it's almost dead silence during the insane fifteen-minute 
assault scene. I, yeah, it's been a while since I watched that, but it, yeah. that's, that reads correct to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah, one, one of those movies does that. It's just no... Yeah. There's no ambient sound. It's just... Well, it forces you to stew in the moment, and it is so bad. That's I, I mean, what I spit on your grave gets right and or wrong about the rape revenge um, genre is the whole making it as horrific as possible. You know, forcing forcing you to live in that moment you want you want to see this on film good go ahead you get to watch this you know um it's why that film kind of lives in infamy to this day and why a film like this gets forgotten i think is because they're not able to do something with that same horrificness they're not able to reach the same levels and then still have the film come across as a good film yeah Yeah, yeah. This is one of those ones. I it's a it's a weird spot. I don't know any person I would recommend this film to. I can think of two people. Yeah, I'd recommend it to two people, but you guys have both seen it already, so no point. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say Tony and Ted. (laughs) (sighs) Lando, come here! I got a movie for you. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's because we find that they've already got two girls in the basement, and they yeah. bring in a third twice. Um, and I don't. I just. I don't well, know. And then there's a running. There's like a subplot where one of them is sick. Yeah, she's got something, the flu or something like that, and she probably needs medical attention. And they keep bringing it up throughout the movie, but it it never like actually goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. They don't actually. It's not like she dies of her illness in the basement or something. It just is a thing happening. Again, I think they were trying to be fancy with this film, and that's why they thought ripping off the fancy elements of Psycho would work. But they were also trying to add depth by having her be sick. And it's like, but yeah, but if you don't have a story to tell, then it doesn't really work. Well, she I, does it, die, though, doesn't she? Does, did she die? Yeah, I thought she died because they're like, oh, we're free, and they go to get her, and she's dead already. All right, well, that tells you how impactful it was, if I don't remember. Exactly so right. That that That's more my review of that scene, then. It, it, like, yeah. Again, I think that the elevated elements of the film are the parts that don't work. You know, the, the attempt at a twist, the you know subplot of her being sick, the stuff with the mother, none of that stuff really works. The weird incest flashback doesn't really work um and i think a lot of that i sleep with my son the way lovers sleep with each other (laughs) you dumb you dumb bitch coming into my house trying to date my son only i screw myself (laughs) did you write down the exact dialogue because i'm pretty sure that's word for word (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty close This is the part that really captured Noah's attention. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm talking Oscar bait, people. <laughs> He's, Noah's just got that scene on repeat. Gross. Yeah. Well, I do know it popped up, and I was like, "Oh, hey, it's been a while since we came across a random weird incest in the movie. Just, just, just completely unnecessary. This serves no point, really. But we're gonna have it." I was I, like, I, "This isn't an, even an Italian film." 
I guess I have a question for you guys about that whole incest scene. So I think the one brother is meant to be kind of sympathetic in the sense that he's not all there mentally and doesn't understand how evil he's being. The other brother is more in control of himself. So is that flashback meant to make him somewhat sympathetic as well? Are they trying to imply that like his mother messed him up and that's why he's doing these things? Or, well, was there some other reason for that random incest flashback that makes more sense? Yeah, I don't know. I d- yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if they're trying to make these villains sympathetic villains or not. Yeah. I don't I mean, know if like, they just were like, "Hey, here's another messed up thing we could toss in here." That might be it. Just like they think they're adding layers to their movie, but right. they're adding random flashbacks instead. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, his mother ruined his life by sleeping with him and then telling his fiance that she sleeps with him. Is that enough for him to be like, well, might as well start murdering. Why not? No, it, it's not enough. But my question is, do do you guys think the filmmakers thought it was enough? And it sounds like we still don't know. So <laughs> it's a, that's, a, again, a sign that the film... A sign that a film is not as highbrow as they think it is is at the end when we're like, what were they trying to do there? And none of us can figure it out. So, Well, it's like, what if in Psycho, she wasn't just controlling, she was also sleeping with him? And someone's like, yeah, 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 write that down. But I, mean, I, like, I feel like there's some implied incest in Psycho in that relationship. Is it in the first one, though? Because they definitely imply it in later ones, but... Yeah, I guess it's. I'd have to go back and watch that first one because, I well, I the first one I think they're just implying that they are, they were unhealthily codependent. Yeah, yeah. In which you can read whatever you want into that. <laughs> In which it's it's Hitchcock, so I mean he probably was doing that on purpose. He was <laughs> like, I'm going to let you read any sick, weird thing into well, the relationship you want. It's kind of funny though because good filmmakers can do that right you you referenced um texas chance massacre but you said this is like texas chance massacre without the cannibalism there's really a lot of cannibalism in that movie if you go back and watch it you know there's some blood drinking and things like that but you're adding a lot of that yourself well and probably from the second one yeah i mean again the series as it continues it's uh both series kind of run with what they think the, the audience believes about the first one. I I meant more in the way of they were like, here's a creepy family, but the thing that looms in the background that makes that movie freaky, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they're eating people on screen, but it's that, that, that thing where from the beginning, almost the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh shit, they're eating people. And they never show you, but they Ooh. just let you dwell on that through they the don't, they don't really tell you that either though right right it's right more, they just imply it heavily it's i i think they do exactly what brian was saying which is that they create a situation and let you read into it what you want and happily most of us read cannibalism into it right <laughs> which uh by the way we should point out that movie just celebrated 50 years yeah so don't listen to this bullshit. Go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah go, yeah, go watch that. There's a 4K restoration. 
You don't have to pick between the two. You can listen to this bullshit and watch that. I don't know. Listen, if you're if you're wanting to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then watch a weird movie that's kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, watch <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then watch The New Generation. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. That movie works much better as a parody of the original than it does as a remake and or sequel to the original. I just still never watched it. Uh, listen, I like it. I like that movie. Um, it's fine. It is. It is definitely not a good sequel. But, but yeah, on its own, it's an interesting movie. I like how you say it's not a good sequel. You mean because it was made as a remake, and then they just decided to convert it into a sequel after the fact with like ADR dialogue. <laughs> I I would call it it's, it's it, let's let's reframe. It is not a good entry into that series. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Do you have anything else about schoolgirls and chains? Oh, is that what we're supposed to be talking about? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I just don't. I don't know what to say about this movie. It's not. Like I said, it's not one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Lord knows, I've forced everyone sitting in this room to watch much worse. <laughs> True, but but at the same time, it's just there's the good things in this movie aren't good enough to interest anybody. I don't like if you're a film buff, you're not going to be into this movie because the like technical proficiency of the movie's not good enough. The acting's not good enough to interest somebody who's only interested in that. The violence isn't good enough to interest somebody who's into slashers. I mean, I suppose there's rape scenes, so if that's what you're into, then have at it. <laughs> Please stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, please, please, you're taking the wrong thing away from these movies. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Doug, why don't you tell us about Mother's Day? But before we do, we're not having the opposite problem. Your mic's kind of popping a little bit. So maybe just pull it away from your mouth a little bit. Uh-oh. All right. Is that all better? Right. That is better. So, tell, us about, tell us about Mother's Day. Mother's Day. I don't know. Um, keeping in mind it's been a couple of weeks, but a group of girls go on their annual girls trip. They go somewhere different every year, but this year it's camping and they get attacked by people in the woods. They're kidnapped and it's a weird family, two brothers and a mother again. Eventually they fight back, kill them, but then like. Random. Is it the mother's sister that they've been casually referencing in the background the whole time? Just shows up for no reason at the end of the movie, and that's the end. Wow, I completely forgot that. Yeah, because I had to go like back and rewatch that. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then I'm like, oh yeah, right. Throughout the movie, they have been casually referencing this other person that I had just totally forgotten about. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't remember pretty much anything about this movie, and it may be because not I even the opening it. scene. One of the best opening scenes of all time. No, where they're at the self help group and they're doing all the affirmations and stuff, and the oh, old lady okay, convinces yeah. the the people to give her a ride home, 
and then her sons come out and murder him, and she quotes the affirmation group. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, I do remember that now. But I think about uh, 20 minutes into this, I got kind of bored. <laughs> it started dicking around on my phone, and I don't remember anything else that happened. Really? See, I find that strange. Of all the things I would call this movie, I wouldn't call it boring. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, you know, incest uh, skeletons. This one doesn't have an incest skeleton in it. Incest awesome. skeleton. <laughs> That's what the other one should have been called. That would have been great. Um, yeah, I can see what you're saying, Brian. Is like there's a lot of stuff going on with those girls who are going on their trip. And it, it's it's like in a good slasher where they let you get to know the characters before they start killing them off. It's that same kind of stuff going on, but it's really uninteresting. <laughs> and it's like, and they keep doing like the fake scare thing, and you're like, you don't need to keep doing that. It's fine. We get right. it. We get it. You're doing jump scares, but they're not really jump scares. You know, it's sort of the equivalent to walking through a house and every closet has a cat in it. That's how it feels for a while there when they're just like, constantly scaring each other around that campsite. Do their boyfriends show up in this movie? No. Oh, I think in another movie where a bunch of women went camping. I think that's a totally different movie. Okay. No, this one is just like, it, it, nothing really happens plot-wise. It's they get kidnapped, they get tortured, they fight back, they kill the other people. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a trauma movie. So it kind of has that... Uh, I, I don't... I, calling it a twisted sense of humor is never quite correct. It's like dick and fart joke humor, but that plus violence. Yeah, and the, the combination of it is even weirder in this movie than it is in most trauma films, because the violence feels a lot more real in this movie than in most trauma stuff. So then when they just start slapping in the comedy, it it just doesn't go well together. Like It, it feels like it's from two different movies. More so than most trauma yeah. stuff. Yeah. And and unfortunately, the, the I because <laughs> judging by the tone, you guys weren't huge fans of this movie. This <laughs> this is so this is not best trauma, but this is still in the era of what like I call good trauma. Where they were still making horror movies that it wasn't all the joke. If that makes sense, they were trying to make movies, and they just happened to all share that weird sense of humor. Yeah, I think. Yeah, my, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, my issue here is that instead of mixing the humor with the horror, they've sort of just have the two things existing side by side in the same film, and it like it it, it hinders either one from being particularly enjoyable. That's what I took away from it. Also, technically, wasn't a trauma film when it was made. No, it was only distributed by them. Well, originally, the uh, well, when it was made, and then whatever company had it went on a business, and Trauma bought it. Oh, okay. So they've had it ever since. All right, distributed distributed by Trauma is still Trauma. It's yeah, but I'm saying it wasn't originally distributed by Trauma. Right, right, it wasn't produced by Trauma. Yeah, yeah, no. It almost makes me feel like Troma got a hold of it and went, what? 
you didn't put a bunch of inappropriate humor in this and then like forced him to like go back and do reshoots. You know. Well, it's directed by Lloyd Kaufman's brother yeah. as well. So it's just one of those Charlie like a, Charlie Kaufman. It's like, oh, we have uh, uh we have our own company now, and that company that owns your movie went out of business. Let's just buy it and then we'll own it. And they're like, Alright. Which is a nice thing to do for your brother. I just don't know how nice it was for audiences. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't since like since I can't remember most of it. I really have not a whole lot to say. I well, obviously did not enjoy this movie. I think I'm more on page with you than I thought because I watched these two movies at the same time, and I obviously have a lot more to say about the other movie. And I think that, yeah, the the takeaway from this is that even though I don't remember hating this movie, I obviously didn't think much of it, or else I'd remember what I thought of it, even though it's been two weeks. No. Like, I, I definitely, of the two, I the other one for me is the more effective film in the sense that at least there were scenes in it that I felt were very effective, as opposed to this one where I feel like there was nothing really great about it. I did think, like, at the end when they smashed a TV on that guy's head, like, that's fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking, I wonder if Scream was referencing this, because, you know, there's obviously so many references in Scream that you could never pick up on all of them. But you don't see that many TVs smashed over guys' heads. <laughs> um, but was it great? No. Was it fine? Yeah. And that's, I think that's where films become forgettable is when they're just fine. So looking up Charles Kaufman's IMDb, okay. he went on to write a bunch of cool shit. Um, so he wrote one episode of the original Ghostbusters, the one with the monkey in it. Okay. I was going to say, the only other director thing I can remember is some movie called, what, Jakarta? just like a CIA movie. He wrote 65 episodes of Dennis the Menace, the cartoon. (laughs) One episode of Brave Star, if anybody remembers that cartoon. Yeah, Brave Star. Uh, Then four episodes of Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. See, all of this sounds like somebody who wrote the comedy scenes in this film. Yeah. Then one episode of the TV series Alien Nation. And a couple other things I don't know, but ferocious female freedom fighters. <laughs> you know that old tale from the sea. He was the dialogue director for the USA version. <laughs> I'm not sure what to take away from that, quite frankly. Yeah. It's just crazy. He did this and was like, "Hey, I'm going to go work in Saturday morning cartoons for a while." But is it, because again, those weird, like, training montages that the killers have, Yeah, those feel like Saturday morning cartoons to me. That's the problem, is that then you have, like, real violence surrounding that, and it doesn't really work. If it was Saturday morning cartoon violence surrounding those training montages, it would make a lot more sense. Oh my! <laughs> so that ferocious female freedom fighters. He said that he was the dialogue director. Yeah. So apparently that's because that was a 
uh, Indonesian martial arts film that was not meant to be a comedy or anything. It was just, you know, a straight up Kung Fu movie. And Charles Kaufman got a hold of it for distribution or completely changed the dialogue for the entire movie, re-recorded the dubbing with his new lines and released the movie. <laughs> well, good for him. That shows initiative, and I appreciate that. Beautiful. It, it says, it recorded all new lines, adding plenty of bathroom humor, bad kung fu grunts, corny jokes, ludicrous accents, including an Elvis Presley voice for the film's Asian protagonist. <laughs> yeah, I've got to watch that shit now. Listen, Elvis is universal, okay? Elvis isn't... He can be Asian if he wants to be. It's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. No idea anything else. Like, were there any moments that stood out to you, Noah, that we could discuss, maybe? No, not really. That's a, Like I said, this one it isn't as memorable as some other trauma stuff. I really, really like the opening scene of the movie. I'm a big fan of this old lady that's at this almost culty-esque self-help group that then lures these people out in the woods for her redneck sons to murder and then is cracking jokes about the self-help group <laughs> bullshit which is pretty great yeah like I didn't you know hate it like, yeah and then the violence and stuff is fine it's fun like like I said I don't, I don't consider this a boring movie it's kind of just one of those fun random uh it, it's the type of movie that if if we were back in the era of video stores and you had snatched this as a random pickup off of a shelf in a video store, you, you'd watch it and you'd go, ha, 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 that was all right. Oh, yeah. It's a completely different world now, though. Right. Yeah. Stream, well, streaming has ruined our ability to enjoy garbage. Yeah, I think that... It really has. That, that's that's something we should discuss more on this podcast that we don't is the <laughs> fact that we're watching movies that were never designed to be watched the way we're watching them. You know what I mean? Like, no. like it was these were just it wasn't designed so that you would be having a conversation about it with people afterwards. It wasn't designed. It was it was you have no other options. You've already put down your three ninety nine for this movie, so you're probably going to watch it twice before you return it. Because what else are you going to do tomorrow morning? You know. Yeah. Well, technically, this movie was specifically made probably to run on Forty Second Street, yeah. whatever grimy theaters yeah, they right. could get into. It's, it's, it's nineteen eighty, but uh, a little early for a TV for renting. You know. Yeah, I, I see your point though, because even those movies were kind of made to be as disposable as possible. It's yeah, like you're you're not meant to be putting the level of analysis into it. That's kind of inherently comes with what we do. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, I'm going to take my girlfriend and get a blowjob in the theater type of movie. Hell yeah! I mean, I'd probably have a much more positive review of it under those circumstances. Let's be honest. <laughs> this is the this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I especially liked the part thirty minutes in. Where I nutted and fell out of the chair. <laughs> you know, explain why Brian keeps falling asleep during our movies. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We were talking about video rentals. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and uh, I, I like nostalgia, but I don't tend to get overly nostalgic about stuff. But, man, we were talking about 
video stores and it like hurt me to talk about it. I was like, oh my God, I miss going to video stores so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just, not yeah. just rental stores either, like Suncoast and things like that. Digging, digging yeah. through the stacks, looking for those random like collector's edition of some random ass horror movie. Yeah, and it's something you can never recapture because even if like tomorrow someone opened a video store down the street, like I would go down there, but then like I would look through everything, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's streaming on this platform. That's streaming on that platform. Why do I need to rent it when I can just go home and stream it?" Right. Yeah. So it's just a completely lost era. Right. You, we've been we've been robbed of the need for that stuff. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, it's which it, is a it, weird idea, but I think it's true. I think that like having access to everything has cheapened it. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like the idea of even like I still remember the era like before like everyone had cable when you just be at somebody's house and you're like what do you want to watch these are the three options that's it you know what i mean no wonder we were outside just playing with sticks it was like <laughs> oh my god well and you'd bu- you'd bump into somebody and like i had a vhs uh bootleg of the movie elves the like nazi elf one mm-hmm. and i used to show that to everyone I met that was a horror fan, I'd be like, you have to watch this crazy fucking Christmas movie. It's elves and Nazis. <laughs> well, then there'll also be the people that's like, oh, my uncle has HBO. He taped these movies off of it for us. Right. So there'd be like three movies on a tape, and it's like, well, we can watch the 80s blob or the thing or, you know, whatever other movie, and then those are our three options. Yeah, I still remember when the movie channel would come, like, free for a weekend once in a while, like, as a promotional thing. Mm. And, like, it was a big deal. Your parents would buy you a tape, and you could tape any three movies you wanted that happened to be on in that 48-hour period. <laughs> I remember, like, me and my brother would sit down, and, like, we'd be, like, strategizing. Because it'd be, like, well, we each get, like, one tape, so we can, like, make sure we don't tape the same movie kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> We could get six movies for the weekend. It's and then yeah. watch those a billion times, or something like fuck, RoboCop would be on TV, and it was it's like the best day, the best day of that <laughs> month because you just randomly came across RoboCop on TV, so you get to watch RoboCop again. Yeah, you have uh, the TV guide, and you see that RoboCop's playing on Saturday at like nine o'clock, and you're like. Oh, mom, I gotta stay up. I gotta stay up nine o'clock to watch Robocop. Please, please. Yeah. Oh, I remember, like, I remember Robo, getting when, one of the few times I probably was being a, a, a horrible little monster whenever I was a small child. And there was a marathon on Halloween of all the Halloween movies. Oh. And I was like, I have to watch this. My parents were like, no, you're not staying up till midnight on a school night and I'm like no I need it I need it in my life you're you're ruining my life mom I just remember even in junior high like I was living with my grandparents and we didn't have cable but like on the weekends like our ABC affiliate would run like late night movies so like my grandparents would go to bed and then I'd watch shit like 
The Breakfast Club or Legend or just, you know, whatever random shit they put on. And I'm like, oh, there's this big devil guy in this movie. It just being like, this movie is fucking amazing. So I, I randomly saw something about Legend the other day. And I was like, maybe I need to break out Legend and rewatch Legend. Mm-hmm. The answer is always yes when you feel that way. But which version do you watch? The international version or the theatrical cut? Uh, I would have to tell you. I have to look. I know I've got a Blu-ray copy. I can't remember which version it is. Mm -hmm. I think Uh, I might actually have two copies of it. I have multiple copies of some random things. I've got more than one copy of Labyrinth. And I know for a fact the movie that I have the most copies of is Mirror Mask. And I don't like that movie. That's not, <laughs> it's not one of it's not a movie I'm into. It just so happens to be like in a bunch of my three packs of random movies, there's a copy of Mirror Mask. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, what has everybody seen since last episode? Oh my god, it's been so long. I know, I have Uh, a shit ton of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I, I will try to distill this down to the important ones, I guess. Uh... I went and saw Disney's Haunted Mansion. Oh, yeah? In which it was okay. I mean, it's a, it's like a Disney comedy film, so... Well, it's interesting. I keep hearing people talk that, like, oh, you know, I don't know. Like, there's been two Haunted Mansion movies, and neither one of them's been, like, super great. And I'm always just like, does nobody recognize that there was a Muppets Haunted Mansion? Right. Like, it gets no love whatsoever. And uh, I personally think that Muppets Haunted Mansion is still probably the best one. Probably. The Eddie Murphy one just did not go well. <laughs> well, if you watched the Eddie Murphy one, you did that to yourself. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but this one, I, I mean, this one, it's one of those things. It's fine. Like, and it's kind of generically age appropriate. I, it's hard to say that it's, you know, because it's supposed to be a Disney movie, so it's supposed to kind of be all ages, but there is a really heavy theme of suicide in, in that movie. And I mean, not not like subtle, like it's a, it's a big part of the movie, which may be not appropriate for small children. <laughs> you have the suicide version of the Haunted Mansion. Is it appropriate for children? Yeah. <laughs> Well, although one of the characters in the film that apparently is suicidal through the whole thing is a small child, which is kind of messed up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it was it was fun. Danny DeVito's in it, and Danny DeVito's freaking hilarious. <laughs> as, as always. Yeah. All you had to say was Danny DeVito. Like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. So it's worth, I mean, it's worth a watch. I don't. I don't know if it's worth uh, going to the theater to see it. If you're an adult and you don't 
like probably have that just, much interest. Just wait for Disney Plus, probably. Right. Do you guys know I had no idea this movie was made or came out? <laughs> Impressive. I I was looking at movie listings before we started recording, and I saw it on the listings, and I thought, huh, wonder if it's like the anniversary of the Eddie Murphy version or something, and they are re-releasing it for the weekend or something like that. Mm. I had no idea this was a new movie. <laughs> the uh, the only thing like that would even remotely entice me to see this movie is that I will forever have a crush on Rosario Dawson. So, oh, Rosario Dawson's in it. Yeah. Yep. So I'll probably watch it for that. But she's she's one of the two main characters. Oh, okay, that might make me watch it. <laughs> it's Rod- Rosario Dawson, Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I don't know. Like I'm now. I'm. T- I mean, it'd be. It would still be a Disney Plus watch for me. No. But I'm much more tempted to see it now that you've given me that list of characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't like. I said it's fine. I don't. It's not bad. Maybe the biggest negative is that the the evil ghost, although mostly CGI, is Jared Leto. In which I'm, I'm slowly over time becoming less and less impressed with his existence. Yeah, because he's not quite Ezra Miller level, but I've heard he's kind of shitty, uh, like in his personal life. Well, that, almost, almost that, has like his own cult and whatever else. Then the fact that for the fact that people talk about that he's this huge method actor and blah 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 blah, people talk about him like Gary Oldman. You know what I mean? But mm. the but the difference is. When was the last time he was in something that I give a shit about? Well, when was the last time he gave a decent Morbius? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, I was, I was, I was excited for Morbius, and he fucked that up too. <laughs> Again, if you saw Morbius, you did that to yourself. Like, I don't know why you guys watch these movies and then get upset about them. Because occasionally it works out. I'm not getting uh, bit again. I don't think I'm seeing Craven in the theater. <laughs> No, yeah, I don't. That one, actually, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not going to go see Craven. I'm going to go see it, and then I'm going to bitch the whole night after I get out of it. <laughs> uh, so I also went and saw Last Voyage of the Demeter. As did I. As did I. And so I've got, I've got weird feelings about it. So it's not a bad movie. It, it was like an effective horror movie or whatever. I think I agree with the thing that I heard Doug say where maybe they showed the vampire too soon. If they were going with the way they were going to go with it. And yeah. I I think my only criticism of the film, and this isn't fair because this is uh, one of those things where I'm imagining if I wrote that film, how I would have told that story. I would have started with a craftier version of Dracula who slowly, as you run out of people on the ship, gets more and more feral. And instead, they did it the opposite. Yeah, I think the idea there is that he was desperate because, I guess minor spoilers, but when the the girl escapes from the crate and they find her and they're taking care of her, that was supposed to be his food source for the whole trip. So he becomes 
very, very desperate. And then as he eats, he becomes craftier. He becomes more capable of just existing and not needing to... Uh, yeah, although the numbers the numbers don't quite make sense. No. Because there's a whole thing about they're like, he eats one a night. And it's like, is that the number? Because if that's... If that's the case for Dracula, that Dracula's blood consumption is he has to kill at least one person a night, I feel like his existence would be a much more public, much different thing than what it is. Yeah, no, the logic isn't fully there, I don't think, if you start thinking about it. Because if it's one a night, but he was going to feed off that girl the whole time, meaning he doesn't need to drain the whole body... So that doesn't really make sense. Then why does he have to kill every night? Or does he have to drink some blood every night, but not a full body's worth of blood every night? It's not fully explained. Well, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say my assumption was she wouldn't die, so he would just feed on her the whole time. But since he has to pick off crew members, he has to kill them. I can see Um, that. Yeah, But that's still... Yeah, that still doesn't explain, like, Noah's point, where if he has to eat one person a night, that's, like, an unfulfillable, like... But if he is uh, capable of kidnapping one person and feeding off them over a period of time prior to... Yeah. Well, the other thing is, I think the, the implication in this, which comes from the original Stoker stuff, is that this village that lives below the castle is well aware that there's a monster living up there mm-hmm. and that they sort of serve him at in exchange for him killing fewer of them, knowing full well he could just take them all out, right? I think yeah, that's, this, it is yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so, the math just still doesn't work out because if he's... It, let's expand it way beyond that. He's killing one person a week. And it's some random small Transylvanian town. So let's say population, what, 10,000? He's going to put a serious fucking dent in that population. Yeah. But that town theoretically knows that's going to happen. Right. So it's sort of like, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know if it, nothing like this is said in the film. It's just an impression I got. But I kind of like, you know how like farmers used to have a shit ton of kids? because they needed the labor and they knew a few of them would die at a young age. I kind of got the impression that this village would like have extra <laughs> children. Cr- yeah, you got to crank out a couple extra babies to feed Dracula. Yeah, like you know, you <laughs> know much. there's a a pretty good chance that at least one of your kids will get eaten by a vampire so you have extras. Uh, that's how I, that's the impression I kind of got from it. Was that they were that's like turning cool. over a certain number of people so that would be built into the whole society. Mm. Which I actually thought was quite interesting, and I, I kind of wish they'd explored that more a little bit. I would have liked to spend more time with that girl character and had more, like, maybe not flashbacks, but more discussion about what it's like to live under the reign of this monster who's just could destroy you at any point in time. So you're like, literally, people are being forced to hand over their daughters to him for the sake of. I thought it was interesting. The vampire design was interesting too, that they went with the, uh, the more count Orloff style, uh, Nosferatu vampire. Yeah. I liked it just because I'm tired of the like romanticized vampire right now. And I'm just like, this was a, not something you expect to see in a big screen vampire movie lately. 
is this more monstrous version. So I liked that element of it. I, know. I was just happy to see a decent vampire horror movie. Like, mm. when was the last time? When was the last time there was a vampire horror movie that was actually pretty decent? And straight up, like, vampire horror, too. Like, no... It wasn't an action film. It wasn't a comedy film. It was just a horror film, which is like, I keep, I feel like every week lately I've been saying this, but thank God they're making just a horror movie again. So like that, that bought this a lot of leeway with me where I'm like iffy on a couple of the elements about it and stuff, but I'm like, the atmosphere is fine. It's a horror movie. There's blood, there's guts, there's violence. There's a cool monster. You know what I mean? I don't start nitpicking whether that monster is historically accurate to what I'm expecting from Dracula or anything like that because I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, I rather enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Now, the ending though. Do we do we talk about it? We? <laughs> yeah, you guys yeah, know. Spo- you guys spoiler. know. You guys know that ending pissed me off, right? So, of course it did because it's kind of dumb. Yeah, but yeah. So, spoiler alert, at the end, when somebody survives and they're almost setting up, they're obviously setting up a sequel for him to now be hunting Dracula, which is nonsense, because we know exactly what happens with Dracula after he makes it to London. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, my expectation was he was gonna be like, well, my real last name is Van Helsing, and I was gonna be like, all right. Oh, that would uh, see. I th- I kind of thought that I thought it was going to end with he's in that tavern telling the story to Van Helsing. Oh yeah, I could see. I could, that I would have been okay with. Um, I, I could. I would have been okay with. They could have done the like. Now that he gets back, he's gonna go look for other monsters. They could have played that that angle if they wanted to set up a sequel. I'd have been fine with that. But the idea, first of all, the the right thing would have been for everyone on the ship to die. Yes, just correct. that's the that's the correct answer. But in a world where it's a Hollywood movie and they're not going to want to do that and they're going to want to leave room for sequels, there's so many other ways they could have done it without pretending that the Dracula the, the pretending that you're playing off of the fact that this is Dracula and then we're going to go yeah, but the the actual book called Dracula <laughs> that didn't happen <laughs> that part that part didn't happen this is Dracula but it's not the same Dracula as those other stories it's just a weird coincidence that the setup's all the same and he has all the same powers and stuff yeah. well although it's once again this Dracula is the quintessential romantic vampire and it's interesting that they purely made him into this uh I don't. I don't even know. Like a demon, more than yeah. anything. It's especially interesting that at the end, when he is becoming more clever and stuff, and we actually see him on land in London, wearing the trench coat and the hat to cover himself up, and carrying a cane, but his face is still monstrous. Like he's, yeah, still looking like freaky deaky monster boy. Yeah. So it's it's all. It reminds me almost of a, the creeper at that point where you're like. From a distance, he could come across as human, but you could never get close and mistake him, you know, which is interesting. It's an interesting take on Dracula. I also thought that the ending was interesting in the fact that, you know, the guy's making the speech of, oh, now I will hunt you, you know, you creature of the night or, you know, whatnot. But at the same time, they're establishing it quite clearly that Dracula's just screwing with him. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems like Dracula would be like, I gotta get this last witness. Kill him before he tells everybody. Well, and that's, to me, that's sort of what Dracula was doing there, right? Like, he lets him know I'm right here, and then leads him out, out into the, uh, the out into the darkness where he can then kill him. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything that implies that that guy stands a fight in, in a one-on-one right. battle against Dracula. Like, he's screwed, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's still, I don't know. It's still a recommend. I, I, it's a good, it's, well, it's a decent horror movie. It's, yeah, I, I would say I liked a lot of it. Um, none of, I don't know that much of it was great, but there was no, I had no real complaints leading up to the ending. And there was a moment where I realized, like, it's sort of the Jaws moment where he's, like, floating on the piece of wood in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, he's just going to, like, he's going to use the barrels to get back to shore. Like, that's that's about what's going to happen right now. And I'm like, okay. But I don't want him to. Like, I, I, I wanted it to be a true interpretation of what happened on the Demeter. And instead, that, with that ending, it becomes something different. And it was really frustrating. I'll tell you what the star of this movie is. Uh, what's the actor who plays the captain? Christopher... No. Liam, Liam Cunningham. Sure. That dude's voice. That dude's voice is great. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I could I just want a loop of that dude talking on a tape to listen to while I sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they cut to him reading the captain's log every once in a while. Yeah. Cool. I was like, that dude's got some bass. He's got some sonorous tones yeah. in that captain voice. He it, it was good casting for somebody who's going to be doing that reading that that log especially a captain's log he sounded like he had a captain's voice it worked i i really enjoyed the the character of the first mate too oh good old david dismalchin yeah yeah i kind of liked his his uh he takes his job so seriously Something, about, something yeah. about that character is just yeah. attractive to me. They, they played him like he's the villain, even though he's really trying to do what's best for the ship and to to get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like it's interesting sometimes who comes across as the bad guy in these scenarios. Uh, he's kind of having a good year. He was in Boogeyman. He's in this. I think he's got another independent movie that he was working on that's coming out soon that's supposed to be good. Um, you should also check out, he writes a, is a, he writes a comic book that he's had the idea for, like, forever, called uh, Count Crowley. And it's about uh, this la- lady who takes over as a horror host on, like, the local TV station. Um, and she finds out that... Uh, it's not just like a horror host thing that horror hosts actually fight monsters and they're, they're like regional, which is why there's horror hosts like all over the country. <laughs> and so she has to start taking on monsters in her local town, but is, is Finn Gulli a character in it? Cause that would be delightful. I don't think so, but I mean, maybe I think they're only on like, you should write him an angry letter and ask him why blood Raw's not in there. <laughs> right. 
But, uh, yeah, the previous guy disappeared, so there's nobody to train her, so she just kind of has to figure it out as she's going along. So, it's kind of funny. What else uh, did you watch, Noah? Yeah. Uh, and then the other big uh, theatrical movie I went to see was Blue Beetle. As did I. Which was magnificent. I think some people aren't as positive on it as I am, but I, I, it's, it is clearly, clearly the best DC movie since the start of the entire Snyderverse. Mm, I don't know. I really like the first Wonder Woman. Yeah, maybe. You see, I, Wonder Woman's one of the weird ones where on rewatches, I like it less. Yeah, Maybe. Specifically with the knowledge of how they fucked it up in the second one, probably? No, not really. It's just, I think I was so amped up the first time I saw it that maybe I liked it more than it deserved. Mm-hmm. I also still really like uh, Shazam. I do also really like Shazam. But uh, I do feel like this one did a, had a better story to tell. Sure. There were more stakes. I think that's one of the things. There were actual stakes in this movie. Well, I mean, the world was going to get taken over in Wonder Woman. Right, but they killed... They Well, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Skip forward. They actually killed the dad. Like, yeah, you know... Sure. Which, which was pretty great. And for the fact that the entire movie is kind of about, you know, his his relationship with his family and all that kind of stuff, it did. it gave it some actual depth. Mm-hmm. It was funny without being outrageously wacky like some of the Marvel stuff has turned into. I'm looking. Thought, I'm looking at you, Ragnarok. <laughs> I thought George Lopez was pretty good in it. Yeah, yeah, George Lopez's character was great, the uncle. They they did an amazing job of trying to stick to the comics without being slavish to them, which I thought was really cool. The, fa- the fact that they made both uh, Dan and Ted canon, that both the prior Blue Beetles existed. Mm-hmm. The tease they give in the first post-credit sequence makes me real happy. Yeah, it was yeah, it was real good. I was kind of expecting it, but that's fine. Um, so I'm more excited if they do a sequel. But and well, I was going to so, oh, it's, and, it's starting to look a lot less like they're going to. Well, and also spoilery. So everybody kind of knew Carapax was going to be quote fingers one of the bad guys in this movie. But the way they blended Carapax with Omac, yeah, I did. I did think that bringing Omac in was kind of fun. Oh, it's a great idea, especially for the fact that uh, did you did you read a lot of Blue Beetle comics? Do you know anything about the connection between androids and Cord and all that kind of stuff? Uh, no. So, in the comic books, Ted Cord's uncle was kind of a piece of shit. And he ran the company at first, and it was uh, they they got into building androids, 
which Carapax was one of the androids in the comic books. It's not a uh, person. It's a mm. robot. But that, that that whole thing that he got into war machines and all that kind of stuff, it's it's very much an analog of Iron Man and all that kind of stuff. And and then when Cord uh, took over, at first they kind of played him straight where he was doing the same thing that Tony Stark did and he just tried to clean up the company and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, later there's this whole through line of Ted Cord gets obsessed with all of his Blue beetle stuff and he fucks the whole company up. He, like, runs it into the dirt. And that's where... Uh, blue and gold comes in because him and booster gold are constantly hanging out and they're constantly coming up with these and they've referenced it, his silly inventions where they're constantly coming up with harebrained schemes that are get rich quick schemes, trying to make money back for the company. (laughs) And the fact that they like layered all that into this movie, I was like, Oh my God, that's so good that they, they like snuck it all in, in the background and in little snippets of dialogue. Mm hmm. They did a really good good job of establishing sort of the Ted Cord character without him even being here. Right, right. Yeah, it was it was really good. I was so happy about this movie, and the fact that it's not doing well at the box office is starting to piss me off because it's so good. Well, unless your name's Barbie or Oppenheimer, nobody's making money this year. Well, it's just crazy. I, I see tons of people online bitching about it, too, and they're like, ooh, Snyder, and it's like, no one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck about Snyder. <laughs> His movies were bad. <laughs> the, the same thing happened to freaking Shazam, too. That one was fine, and it did terrible. Mm. I will say, I did think I enjoyed it less than the first one. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the first one. But this, the funny thing is I, a bunch of people were like, yeah, but this one's good because of, you know, its connection to the Snyderverse. And I was like, no, the whole reason why Blue Beetle's good is because it was a, just like Shazam and just like Wonder Woman. Warner Brothers didn't give two shits about this property. So they kind of left it on its own to do its own thing. And lo and behold, they made a good movie. Yeah. My uh, news feed on Facebook, somehow, some conservative website, like their news article got in there, which I was like, why are you showing me this, Facebook? But of course, their headline was, uh, Warner Brothers making excuses for woke superhero movie failing at the box office. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen an entire article, and I can't tell... Here's the problem. Sometimes both sides sound the exact same level of obnoxious and crazy, where it was an entire article arguing the reason why this movie is bombing is because it's a Latino superhero. Wow. The, the entire article, they were like, yeah, see, it's not a white person, so nobody gives a shit. And I was like, see, I can't tell if this is a crazy left wing person insisting that everyone on Earth is just so fucking racist that they would refuse to see this one random superhero movie because the guy is brown. Or if this is a random fucking psycho right-wing person insisting that because this person is brown, the movie is somehow 
less good and deserves to be less watched because they should be catering to white people. Yeah. But who gives a shit? I did notice one funny thing. So I don't, but my Spanish is not great, but I do speak a little bit of Spanish and I especially speak very rude Spanish because I've worked in restaurants for a good portion of my life. So I pretty much know all the swears and I will tell you a lot of those subtitles that were in this movie are not accurate. (laughs) What they were saying was way worse. There was there was quite a few pinche tu madres in there, which means fuck your mother. <laughs> and Nana is the hero we all need. <laughs> that's true. I was, I was so I was so fucking into that. I know I know people are like, oh, that's silly, and it's like, no. But she's like, the whole idea is that she was a Cuban revolutionary. She's yeah. just hardcore. <laughs> uh yeah there was a chronos shout out which i was happy with yeah i saw that i, I was trying to figure out what the other movies were because it like they flipped the channel about five times and they were almost all horror movies mm-hmm. and i think i saw i think one of the snippets was from wolfman it's possible I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the rest of them. I think they were all they were all horror movies that are about transformation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I only caught Chronos uh, because it has that very similar. Yeah, the scarab, very vampire bug thing compared to the scarab in this movie. Yeah. I do. I I did like the running joke of how gross it is. Where every time they see his back, they're like, "Oh God, <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I how forgot bad it looks." <laughs> Doug, I'm assuming you haven't gone to see this one yet. No. And Doug's just, an I'm, anti anti DC in, in theaters. I think at this point. Every time I've made the mistake of seeing a DC movie, I end up angry about it. So, pretty much sworn them off at this point. I can't imagine you'd be angry at this one. Did you Did you hate Shazam? The first one. Yeah. No, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Then you did you, did it, you right? like it? That's a strong word. I I, I liked it more than anything else DC has done, I think. I think it's probably my favorite DC project in recent memory. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Oh, and all the cord tack. Man, I could go on about this movie for forever. We got to see the... What the fuck is it called? Is it just the bug? Yeah, well, I think cord called it the bug, and then I think... I think they call it the animal later, which I think is the whole reference to her spray painting animal on the front of it. Wow. I just love that we got to see it and we live in a world where there's been two live action representations of the bug from Blue Beetle and then uh, Archie from Watchmen, which are technically sort of supposed to be the same spaceship. Pretty great. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good world we live in. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I don't know. I liked some of the descriptions too, where they're they're like looking at all of Ted's gear, and he goes, "What's with it?" And she goes, "I know it's weird." And he goes, "It's like Batman, but if Batman had OCD." 
<laughs> ADHD. Oh, yeah, ADHD, yeah. <laughs> because everything's not completed to the best of its ability, but it's functional. Yeah, yeah, it's real funny. But anyways, yes, if you're listening to this, it's still in the theater. Please, please go go see this movie. In the name of God. Yeah. It was number one for the weekend, but, you know. Yeah, still, people uh, are pissing all over it, though. The weird, not make you know, as much as I thought. Well, you know what the crazy thing is? I have not seen a single person that has gone to see it that wasn't positive on it. Not a single person. And I don't yeah. get why it's not picking up steam. Because usually that's enough to drive people to theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had a good time with it. Uh, I don't think... Well, I wasn't as in love with it as you were, but... I don't think normies are going to see Blue Beetle, though. I just think... Like I, I so someone said to me, like somebody who said, "Did you notice the latest Marvel movie is about a blue beetle? They must be getting desperate if it's about beetles now. How how they're out of insects? That's what someone said to me, and I'm like, I didn't even like at that point, I don't even bother to correct them, right? Like, what's the point in getting involved in that discussion? But I'm, <laughs> I'm like, upset. I'm upset about hearing that story third person, <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I mean, but that's that's an audience that's somebody who could go to a movie and they're clearly not going to go to this one so I don't know see I I would have thought that just Cobra Kai would have been enough to get a lot of the normies because Cobra Kai was kind of a big cultural thing mm-hmm. and this is uh, what's what's his name Zolo is that it okay yeah yeah, yeah. It's like his first big break movie. And he yeah. and he does a good job. He killed it. Yeah, he's great in it. I don't know. Go see it. Go see it, please God. Uh it, oh, I finally watched the Mario movie. Oh yeah. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's not groundbreaking or anything up till barbie it was the highest highest grossing uh, movie of the year and now barbie's pushing that out of that slot yeah well the thing with the, the thing with the mario movie is it's just a kid's movie right it just that's what it's trying sure. to do it's just trying to appeal to kids and they make their money because parents have to take kids to the movie so it gets good sales mm-hmm. but they did come up with they came up with some interesting ways to get all the disparate Mario and Luigi and like Donkey Kong games to kind of play inside of a narrative. Mm-hmm. I thought that was clever. How'd you like Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong? Uh, he was Seth Rogen as Seth Rogen. calling him Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong is a Uh, a real stretch I just don't understand the casting process it's just like really (laughs) like it's it's fine I'm not like upset about it but I'm just like when I think Donkey Kong Seth Rogen is not the voice that I hear in my head yeah oh my god but I'm, I, I don't even know who did the voice but whoever they had doing Cranky Kong was fucking delightful uh, that was somebody. I can't remember who it was. 
Nick Kroll, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I'll look it up. But they just had him, just just his, like, pissed off, dismissive (laughs) (laughs) ridiculousness. Uh, And then I'm sure I watched other things, but since it's been weeks and weeks and weeks, I probably can't remember what the hell else I watched. I know on three separate occasions I sat down and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch John Wick 3. And then I can watch John Wick 4. And then I would like turn it on and I'd be like, ooh. Or I could just watch five and a half hours of House. (laughs) Watch five and a half hours of House. Uh, Fred Armisen was Cranky Kong. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fred Armisen. Oh, that that's the other thing I watched. I finally watched Meg, because Meg 2 was out in theaters, and I was like, oh, oh everybody right. liked this. I should watch this and then go see the other one. And I watched it, and I was like, mm, I'm not going to see the other one. Oh, that's disappointing. It just wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be, and I'm just not a big... Uh, fan of of what's his face baldy mick british guy (laughs) jason statham yeah that guy i I really like the first meg i haven't seen it since it came out i don't think it's like something i'll rewatch a lot but i i really enjoyed it i liked the rain wilson character and i liked just the ridiculousness of the whole thing i think the rain wilson character was my favorite part of the entire movie yeah, like because yeah. he's he's because he's basically just an Elon Musk asshole. Like, yeah, and I feel like you don't really get that sort of character in the second one, as I'll talk about. Yeah, which is disappointing. But that's it. There's not a lot to say about that movie. It's it's Jason Statham fighting a big shark. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, like that's. I like how Noah says it like it's a bad thing, and the rest of us are like, yeah, exactly. That's our whole point. <laughs> See, it's it's one of those things. Like I said, I think I think it might just be the fact that I don't find Jason Statham particularly entertaining. Because I think if you make this movie with some actor that I'm interested in, I like this movie a lot. Like if it, if it was Bruce Campbell fighting a giant shark, I'd be like, yeah. Well, okay, that's a little unfair though. Like, come on, obviously. I mean, if it was Clint Howard fighting a giant shark, I would be Again, like, yeah. Be reasonable. Be fair. <laughs> I don't know. Who's who's somebody who I find mildly entertaining? I don't know. Do you want to see fight a shark? Tell us, Noah. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, know. You tell us. I kind of want to see Brian fight a shark. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Oh, no. I would, I would lose right away. Well, sure, if it that was happens. a giant shark. I'm trying to think. Who who are current action people? Keanu the Reeves rock. versus a you'll big shark? The, you'll see The Rock fight a shark? Yeah, I don't... Oh. I, I got mixed feelings about The Rock, too. I think it... Yeah, I think you'd have to wait and... Wait for the previews to determine if you okay. want to watch The Rock fight time, a giant time, shark. Time, okay. time Machine, 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger versus a shark? Yeah, what course. if it's what if it's The Rock and Kevin Hart fighting giant sharks? <laughs> Jesus fucking mm. Christ! See, that <laughs> because then I'm I'm 100 on. That's a whole different thing. Because I love it when they're together I and think, stuff. And I think we have to remember that the The Rock has fought giant monsters before with some success, and he didn't even need Kevin Hart. Samuel L. Jackson and Will Ferrell versus giant shark. <laughs> what? 
That's it. What if it was Marky Mark? And he's like, we got a giant shark oh, over I here. I fucking hate Marky Mark. <laughs> you put, listen, if you're putting a Wahlberg in there, you can put Donnie in there, and maybe I'm watching that movie. <laughs> like sick, like dying Donnie from The Sixth Sense. <laughs> Just, <laughs> do you know why we're scared of sharks? I do. I do. <laughs> Just... I don't know, like just anybody. David David Harbor, David Harbor versus the shark. That begin. Mm-hmm. That's a different movie. This <laughs> yeah. beer belly sticking out the whole time. Every time they put him in a wetsuit, it looks a little awkward. <laughs> what if it's uh, what I, if it's I, Denzel? Oh, Denzel, yeah. Oh well, Denzel, Denzel would fucking wreck that shark. That wouldn't even be a movie. <laughs> Denzel would shove a fucking explosive suppository up that shark's ass. Are you sure you would just attach the explosive to some sort of spear and try to throw it at the shark? No, no, he wouldn't. That's it. that's what Jason Statham tries to do. Right, in the second one. What'd you watch, Doug? Well, I went to the theaters to see the Meg too, because of how <laughs> universally beloved the Meg is. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, my uh, my girlfriend's youngest daughter loves animal attack movies. Okay. So we took her to see it for her birthday. That's nice. I took my niece, who I saw the yeah. original Meg with when she was probably too young, but she's like 14 now, so it was like appropriate for yeah, me to be taking totally. her to this now. <laughs> it made me realize when I was taking her, I'm like, you're old enough to watch this. I'm like, oh, that means you were not old enough when I took you to another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a little disappointed in it. I don't know about you, Brian. Uh, I was a little the same. I feel like... Uh... It spends like half the movie on this underwater, like, um, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a lab or? Yeah, like, here's the problem with this movie is they decided the sharks aren't good enough villains. Mm. We need more villains, so let's have human villains in it. And I'm like, no. Like, like having some human villains at the beginning of the movie as a setup, like, oh, these are the bad guys and they were doing some illegal mining and that's how the sharks got out. Great. There's your. You have them at the beginning, they get arrested, now the rest of the movie is Jason Statham fighting the shark again, right? But this time there's three sharks. The problem is that there was just so much going on in this movie that none of it was enjoyable. Like, it... You know what I mean? Like, like at one point... It's It's a sequel of giant sharks. Do they weirdly have a super smart good shark that fights on their side? Because that seems like the type of bullshit. <laughs> they, that they tease that storyline, but it doesn't fully play out. <laughs> You're not far yeah, off the yeah. so, I knew I knew exactly what right. the fuck was going on. So in the beginning of this movie, uh, Noah, there is they have a Meg in captivity, and the one guy thinks he can like swim with the Meg, and that because he's raised it from young, that they have like a relationship, and he sort of can control it. And at the end of the movie, it's implied that maybe he can, but maybe he can't. And we still don't know because they don't actually have a storyline about that. They just have a few random scenes of that throughout the movie. And the whole movie is like that. Like that bag that's in captivity decides to get out of captivity. And they're like, well, it can't get out of here, can it? No way. And then it just decides to one day and then it just does. And seemingly nothing stopped it. And you're like, well... Then how was it in captivity this whole time? None of that makes sense. Well, 
I mean, we're kind of get into the weeds, I guess, but it uh, is implied that uh, the shark doesn't necessarily hate being in activity or in captivity, but there is some sort of um, uh, spawning instinct because it's apparently spawning season for the sharks. Okay, but he's, which is why but he's he had wants it for, to escape. He's had it for years. Right. Yeah, so, I, I can't explain that. It, I don't know. The whole, it's, the whole thought, it's the once every five years horny shark time. <laughs> Listen, but the, the whole movie is that is my point. Is like so. There's a there's a cold open that I I, re, I really enjoyed the cold open. So Jason Statham character yeah. is snuck onto the ship, and he's like a, an eco warrior now so he's like trying to prove that these guys are illegally dumping stuff and then he does the whole like jump off the side of the ship into the empty ocean and his friends have to come and pick him up with like a seaplane and it's like all cool but there's also a cold open where 65 million years ago a Meg eats a T-Rex and I'm like I you've got two cold opens in your movie because you were too chicken shit to pick one <laughs> well like, one of these the, is the the T-Rex one is actually a holdover from the first movie. Yeah. Um, which is directly it, from the book that this is based which, on. Yeah, which is from the book. And apparently it was cut for budget reasons. Okay. And since the first one did so well, they're like, oh, we can put that back in. Yeah. But, now, that doesn't explain why they did two of them in a row. Yeah, like, but, you don't have two cold opens to your movie in a row. That's just weird. Yeah. And, like, that whole thing with, like, it eating the T-Rex, I'm like, that's... We didn't need it. It didn't help the movie. And a lot of that is like the, the human villains, like I say, like to move the plot forward, you have human villains at the beginning and oh, they're doing this illegal mining and it causes us to have these, it helps the sharks get out and you're like, okay, great. And then, then they're done, right? But no, because then at the end, like Jason Statham has three bombs on three spears. Him and his friends are going to go fight the three giant sharks. But, uh-oh, there's only one jet ski. So now he's got to go out alone on a jet ski and try to blow up three sharks. And you're like, all right, we're into this movie now. We're doing Meg shit. And then the bad guys show up and start shooting at him. And I'm like, we do not need human bad guys in this scene. He's fighting three megalodons on a jet ski. <laughs> like, you do not need the human... Like, that's all that shit should have been over with a long time ago. Do you know what I mean? And the giant octopus, we should point the out. The giant octopus that, like, barely gets mentioned. <laughs> like, how is there not a ten-minute scene of a giant octopus fighting a fucking megalodon, and Jason Statham is, like, the third man in who keeps, like, trying to escape, but the octopus keeps grabbing him and shit? Like, there's so much you could have done with that, but they barely address it because they're busy on other shit. And then why are there, like, and the same thing with, like, the other two, like, quote-unquote good guy characters the i don't know either of their names but you know they're running around doing the stuff on land and it's like we don't need to spend so much time with those guys like they don't need their whole own storylines it's too much it's it's mm -hmm. I, it's making me not care about anything it's turning it into a fast and the furious movie do you know what i mean which uh did you did you were you confused by the fact that there are Lizards that live in the Mariana Trench that apparently do not need air of any that, that can breathe air sort. and can walk on land. Yeah, but they live at the bottom of the trench and they've evolved down there for millions and millions of years. Yeah, that's called stu yeah. that's called stupid writing. 
You know yeah, what I mean? I was, I was not, I was like, this doesn't make that, zero sense. That whole thing of those lizards that went on land and chased around Jason Statham's buddies, whoever those two guys' names are, I'm not going to learn them. Um, that, that, it reminded me of The Last Jedi when, like, Finn goes off to, like, that planet about casinos or whatever, and you're like, you're just doing this because you want him to have his own storyline. And that's what they're doing here. They're like, we need to give every character their own storyline. And it's like, no, you don't. They are all here to service the primary storyline, which is Jason Statham versus giant sharks. He, he fought one giant shark last time, and he was successful, so now there's three of them, and he has to fight all three. That's it. That's your movie. Quit trying to overcomplicate things. <laughs> I mean, technically, there was two last time. That's a good point. That's a good point. But only one at a time. Now he's got three at a time, right? And and it's just, it's I don't know. It, it was too much. It was too hectic to care about any of it. it therefore, it felt like it had no stakes. And it, it was frustrating. It was just a miss for me. It wasn't, I don't think it was as bad as I'm making it sound. It was, it's just. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. I still had fun. But man, if you compare it to the first one, the first yeah. one was, I feel, is so much fun. And this one. Yeah just missed on a lot of levels that it shouldn't have what's really interesting about this is i listened to the um best movies never made podcasts Mm -hmm. about this and they're in the middle of uh they're they're unmade unmade meg movies yeah so they've done two i don't know if they're doing any more but they talk a lot about previous scripts for the first meg movie and about the book and they talk about how, like, a lot of the shit that we're complaining about, it seems like this does stem from the source material. Like, yeah. they're, they hadn't seen the sequel yet when they recorded those podcasts, but they're excited for the idea of more stuff going on. And I'm like, no, no less stuff going on. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be talking to the uh, author. Oh, are they? Of the, of the books next. I look, yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. So... I, um, yeah, but I, I don't know. It sounds like we're on the same page, Brian. Like it's pretty much. Like, it, it's not atrociously bad, but it's just not good. It, when they announced a Meg Two, I was a hundred percent in. I, I didn't watch trailers because I don't need them. Because I know based on the first one that I'm seeing the sequel. I'm not in on three now. Like if three comes along, I don't know if I'm going to see it in theaters. Ooh, upset Doug that much? It's just. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I also see it in theaters, but I also have a list, which makes it a lot easier. Oh, and like, and again, I'm not swearing it off. It's not a DC project. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I could still a trailer could get me interested enough to go see it. I could just be bored that weekend to go see it. But uh, I'm not excited for the series anymore. And considering this movie, spoiler alert, I guess ends with a Meg swimming away so there's one still out there um possibly pregnant right they point out yeah so considering that you would think i would be excited for a third one but i don't know i just didn't do it Hmm. so yeah it's a bummer i got really agitated there about the meg too and then i came back to like yeah but i didn't (laughs) hate it that much (laughs) I don't know, is there anything we missed that we should have said there, Brian? I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers right. it. Uh, maybe just my annoyance of they went under the thermal curtain or whatever the fuck they mm-hmm. call it. 
the first thing they do is they see like a human, like a structure. It's like, is that a mining colony down there? <laughs> but this is undiscovered land. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> this just made everything a little bit more stupid. Well, okay. So they have their magic suits that allow them to go out <laughs> out of their capsules. In it's it's a lot of this is it, I think comes across even dumber because of those idiots that tried to go see the Titanic. But yeah, um, it's like they so they they've got these submersibles that can get down there. All right, I'll I'll, I'll accept that. Oh, also sure. they have suits that allow them to get out underneath down there. Mm. All right, I'll give you that much. Now Jason Statham can be can exist down there without a suit on. <laughs> like at one point, he's at the bottom of the uh, uh, the bottom of the trench that exists below the Marianas Trench, <laughs> out with no suit, no suit, nothing, swimming, and you're like, no, that can't happen. He just has to expel all of his oxygen out of his body before and, and he how does, goes out there. And how does that address how cold it would be down there or whatever? Yeah, I don't and, know. You know what I mean? Like all of that. It's but the, and, and the several thousands of atmospheres of pressure that would just instantly well, fucking no, destroy your body. No, no, no. If you breathe out all your oxygen first, you're fine. Because yeah, fish don't need a suit, so. Yeah, but yeah, that's not the way it works. That's <laughs> It is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's just it pushed everything a little too far for me, and it just gets to that point of like I can't, I can't abide this. You know what I mean? I can't let this go. Were you surprised by the twist of who sabotaged the sub? No, because I didn't care. Nope. Was <laughs> even supposed to be a twist? I, no. I mean, <laughs> it maybe, was but it wasn't the main. Look, the whole time. I feel that had I given enough of a shit to try and guess who did it, I probably would have been able to guess it. But maybe that was all part of the clever, like it's it's the 4D chess or whatever of the filmmakers where they're like, if we make nobody care, then they won't be trying to guess who it is and then they won't know what's coming. I don't know. <laughs> Man, Doug is mad about this movie. In retrospect, I'm more mad than I thought I was. Sometimes when we discuss movies and we start, I start like, like I hadn't put this kind of thought into it until just now. I'm like, oh man, I just like this more than I thought. <laughs> and there was just, the, the, they wasted that giant Kraken thing, giant octopus, whatever you want to call it. I'm like that, that's something. That's something that should have mattered a lot more than it did. Yeah. They made it seem like it was really going to matter and it kind of doesn't. Yeah. I don't. Know. Is that enough? Or what else did you? What else did you watch? Um, let's see. Oh, I finally got some access to the TV show Chucky and checked it out. Oh, nice! So I've only seen the first season because the the, uh, the free trial was running out before I knew I didn't have time to fit both in. But uh, I think season one's probably the better season. Anyway. Is it okay? Um, man, when Chucky's on screen in this movie, mm-hmm. man, or the show, I should say, it's it's so fucking great because it's Chucky, and he's just he's fucking with people, and he is just doing Chucky shit, and I'm loving it. Um, it's just yeah, everything involving Chucky directly is great. Uh, yeah. 
that which is important, right? Because a lot of times that's what they screw up when they try to create a series based on something like this. Um, so they were really, I, I like that it, it's the same character from before. He's updated a little bit. He's now trying to get other people to kill on his behalf and stuff. But that's super fun, and it feels like it's just enough within Chucky's realm that I'm not questioning it. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that stuff was was good. Kills were good. All that was good. Um, you know, the 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 non-doll characters. Anytime there was two characters on screen that weren't a doll or someone from the original series, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. Okay, that's good. I was going to argue Jennifer Tilly is pretty fantastic. Jennifer Tilly know. just... <laughs> Oh, she hams it up. Man, that one point oh, where the... just hams it up like you would not believe. When she, she shows up at that one point, and the guy's like, don't I know you? And she goes, you seem like you're too young to have seen Bound. <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, good for her. I respect the She's hell like, out of I, her. Yeah, I know little boys jerk off to that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, again... It, like her, even the stuff with like Andy worked. Um, Andy and whatever his sister's name is, um, Kyle. Kyle, sorry. Um, I all that stuff was was good because it felt like they were really trying to tie everything from Child's Play together. From from and you know that's a series that's gone in some different directions and to try to bring it all back together, I I respected. Um, they even dropped like specific references to. Uh, like Child's Play three and stuff like that, so I'm like, good for right. them. Like, um, yeah, the the drama between the the human characters though was man, real. Like, it really helped me understand why I don't watch TV shows that often. <laughs> and I don't know, it was just everything felt really forced. Like, there's a a mom that has cancer and I'm like I don't give a shit that you have cancer and there's like people struggling over like arguing about shit I'm like I don't care about any of it I did not like watching these teenagers and their like love lives and par- part of that is because they cast like actual teenagers and it felt icky being an old man watching these like teenagers <laughs> have their relationship issues um, back in my day teenagers were 35 exactly <laughs> Well, the thing is, I watch like a lot of these stupid Nickelodeon shows with my kids, and they all have like teenager relationships with real-looking teenagers in them. But they're done in this like really campy, corny sort of way, and I'm like, that to me is like I'm comfortable watching teenagers behave that way, because <laughs> like, I don't believe I don't believe like these teenagers from Nickelodeon are never actually going to have sex in the next room when you turn the camera off. Whereas these ones, I feel like they were going to, and I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, overall, like I, it, overall, I thought it was good, but some of the stuff was rough. Yeah, I bet watching it week to week probably would have helped with a lot of that stuff. Maybe, yeah, because that's how I watched it, and I didn't really have a, that much of a problem with it. But thinking about the overall story, I'm like, yeah, I could definitely see how watching all that, like. Binge watching it would probably make it a little bit more annoying. Yeah, trying to get it all done before a free trial runs out. I watched it pretty quick. Yeah, so. season two I did not enjoy nearly as much as season okay. one. But uh, Glenn, Glenn and Glenda did do show up in the oh, next really? season though. 
which is kind of fun. I don't see. I don't love that. I, I don't either. But you know, I'm just like, oh, okay. Even the really bad one is they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna make they're, they're gonna bring into the show. So all right. Um. And oh, something that's fun. Uh, Meg Tilly shows up as herself next season. Oh, really? Yeah. That sounds fun. And uh, her and Jennifer, her and quote-unquote Jennifer Tilly uh, are kind of shitty with each other because she keeps saying Meg's jealous of her career or whatever. <laughs> That's fun. So, yeah, they kind of have some fun with like their sibling relationship and stuff. So, um, I did like when uh, whatever the main kid, when he sort of comes out as gay. Yeah. And Chucky's just like, oh, I have like a transgender son or whatever. Yeah. You know, what? whatever they labeled him with. I don't even remember if it was non-binary. I don't, I don't or remember what the word they use is. Trans, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, you have a, <laughs> you have a transgender son? And he's like, yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with it. And he's like, really? And he's like, I'm not a monster. <laughs> you know, again, Chucky was on screen. It's all great. They, yeah, they, they really did a good job of carrying over the Chucky character from the best of those movies, mm-hmm. which are like the first three and the last two. I was going to say, you've seen Curse and Cult, right? Yeah. Because I feel like there's somebody I know that didn't see those last two and then watched the TV show. They still enjoyed it, but I'm just like, how can you follow anything that's going on with the actual, like, Chucky part of it? Yeah. Because so much happened in those last two movies that informs everything. It's really surprising how much they leaned into it. But I'm glad they did, because it's like, it's it's like it's a show, it's like, I don't remember what channel it's on in the real world, but, you know, it's clearly made. Sci-fi, it's on Sci-Fi and the USA Network. Okay, so it's... it's, it's See, if it was just sci-fi, I'd say, like, they're comfortable making things for a more niche market. USA feels like it would yeah. want to go a little more mainstream. Yeah. But Well, I believe on the sci-fi channel, it's, I think it airs at 9 o'clock at night, my time. Okay. And in basic cable now, they've changed the rules somewhat. So the goriness is not a big deal, and you can use the F word, like, uh, like 10 times. Okay. After, after 9 p.m. So, uncensored. Yeah, see, which is I don't know what the rules are here anymore because I haven't had cable in so long. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, they run it on USA and Sci-Fi Channel at the exact same time. Okay. So I don't know. Good for them. It's been doing really well, though. Got picked up for the third season, so I liked it enough that I'm going to watch season two at some point. I just don't know when yeah. that's going to be. Yeah. Um, what else did I watch? Mm-hmm. Oh, just might as well get back to shark movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched Jaws four for some reason because you because you had access to it. That's why. Well, see, it's not even that I had access to it. It's that I logged into Tubi, and I'm like, Jaws four, eh? That's what you're going to recommend to me today, Tubi. <laughs> Really? Oh, you even watch it on Tubi? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I know better than that. I'm not going to get stuck watching Jaws 4. I logged out. And I'm like, maybe Brian bought something new that he's given us access to through 
movies anywhere. I sure did. And what was the first <laughs> the first movie when I logged in there? It was Jaws 4. I'm like, well, the world wants me to watch this now. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do? It's not even my fault at this point. Because uh, uh, Jaws 3 and 4 were both on sale for $5 a piece. Yeah, fair enough. On digital. And I'm like, I already own Jaws 1 and 2. Like, I can't not own 3 and 4. That's totally reasonable and rational. However, it resulted in me watching Jaws 4. <laughs> exactly. And I don't, like, I don't know how much time we want to spend talking about Jaws 4 and whether it's good or not. Hey, it bought Michael Caine a really nice house, so... Or bought his mom early. And he doesn't really have to try very hard to get it either. So that's the good news. <laughs> um, the weird thing about Jaws 4, like, the shark stuff in this movie is pretty fun. Like, I feel like like it's... Fucking like Alex Rogan and Mario Van Peebles are out there fighting a shark in the Caribbean. And I'm like, yeah, like I can get behind that. If this wasn't Jaws 4 and there wasn't these weird attempts to tie the storyline back into the original film and stuff, I'm like, The Last Starfighter fighting a shark? Yes, I want to watch that. Like, it's it's fine. And, and it's not atrocious. Yeah, the shark growls and it doesn't behave like a shark, but no shark in a shark movie behaves like a shark. So, I mean, they're not going to swim up, sniff you, and realize you're not a seal and swim away. Like, that's not a very interesting film. So, all right. Like, so there's something there. But it's, I think it's just because they wanted it to be, like, because they wanted it to be a Jaws film and they're trying so hard to, like... I don't know, make like a psychic connection between the shark and and the old lady. I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I don't know if like your older characters need to be in the action sequence at the end that they're clearly not capable of pulling off. Like it's, it's uh So anyways, yeah. I'm gonna take the the bold stance that Jaws Four is not a great film. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want that out there. I don't. Know I, hope, I hope I'm not upsetting people. But um, yeah, I don't know. Not that I'm not saying anything more about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably better off. Um, what else did I watch though? Uh, well, I went and saw the new Ninja Turtles. Speaking of nostalgic rewatches. Still have not gone to check it no, out. No, it's... And I feel like I need to. It's good. It's good. Um, I don't... There's nothing great about it, but I have, like, zero complaints about it. Um, mm. It's just... It's fun, action, Ninja Turtle stuff, right? Um, I think Noah said something about this previously, but I like that they focused on the fact that they're teenagers a little more. I like that the relationship between... Splinter and the Turtles is it's much more of a father son relationship and more of a, less of a master apprentice relationship in this movie. Mm-hmm. I respected that and I enjoyed that. I liked that the Turtles were all different. You know what I mean? Yeah. You couldn't do like a a version of this where they pretend to be each other. They they all speak differently. They all act differently. They all look different. I liked all that. Um. And it's just, I mean, the end is just wacky and insane. There are some, like, X-Men-like themes in it where it's like, ooh, well, we can't accept the mutants, but then it turns out the mutants are heroes, so we can't accept them, you know? Um, 
but overall it's just a lot of fun and there's just a bunch of wacky mutants running around I like that there was like almost no human characters except for April O'Neil like I don't even nice. yeah like cause there's no human bad guy there's like it's no, not even like there's no Shredder there's no Casey Jones it's just mutants up on mutants doing mutant shit which I respected and enjoyed Superfly. <laughs> there you go. Noah's still awake, if anyone was asking that follow-up question. <laughs> how, how did you How did you feel about Paul Rudd's uh, Mondo Gecko? It was fun. It made me respect the fact that he would come in for like a smaller role like that. So I don't think he needs to do those kinds of things anymore. No, but I'm sure it was Seth Rogen being like, hey, you want to come in for like... yeah. Two days, and he's like, "Sure." I mean, uh, judging by the fact that he's kind of a nerd, I bet he went, "Hey, would you come in and do this?" And he goes, "Can I be Mondo Gecko?" That's very plausible. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of that. Like I saw an interview with Seth Rogen where he said, "Like a lot of the dialogue between the turtles is mm-hmm. is improvised because they just got these four actors to get there and put them at a table and watched them go, and they're like." We don't need a script. Just let, like, give them an idea of what's going on and let them talk to each other, which probably helps with why everyone seems so different. But uh, it also, it, it a, a lot of it just feels like people nerding out. But it's like for ninety minutes, go ahead, nerd out, have fun. Like, it's, you know what I mean? I took my kid to it. I think some of the humor went over his head, but he enjoyed it overall too. So. I enjoyed it enough that I went and saw another talking animal movie. <laughs> so I went and saw that talking dog movie, whose name I'm looking up right now. Oh, uh, that's Strays. Strays. Yeah. I have nothing to say about it. It was big, dumb, fun. Our, that's exactly what you needed it to be. Yeah. Like, I went and saw it with some friends of mine who are normies, and they were like talking about how great it is. And I'm like, yeah, great's a real strong word. But it was funny. <laughs> so... But a dog say he's going to bite Will Forte's dick off at some yeah. point, and that's good enough for me. That's doesn't just say it. That's the plot of the movie. <laughs> no, no, I know. I've seen the trailer. It's a road trip movie of a bunch of dogs trying to help one dog go bite Will Forte's dick off. And it's it's real fun. One of them, one of them kind of looks like my dog, which is one of the main impetuses yeah. for me wanting to go see it. One of the dogs is, uh, is Randall Park, and he was probably my favorite. Um <laughs> I don't know why they hire such big name actors to play dog voices in movies like this, but they do. So, <laughs> because normie audiences, it fucking works to get them in. Yeah, it's true. So, but it, yeah, it, it was funny. If you want to hear dogs swear at each other, they go on a mushroom acid like trip at one point, and you're like, okay, that's that's necessary. I'm glad they did that. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I should say anything else about it because what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> it has the most random uh, Dennis Quaid cameo you will ever see in a movie in your life. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll spoil it because I, I I'll go there. There's a it doesn't seem like it's something that matters. Th- but there's yeah. something there's something fucked up going on, and all of a sudden there's Dennis Quaid watching it through binoculars. He's like, that is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. 
And I'm Dennis Quaid. I've seen some fucked up shit. And then it cuts away from him, and that's it. He's not fucking... He doesn't. Like, I was just sitting there, what the hell just happened? Only would have been better if he would have said, and I'm Dennis Quaid. I'm Randy Quaid's yeah. brother. I've seen some fucked up shit. I feel like that was maybe implied in there. But, man. Yeah, probably. It's just, I don't know, like, it, probably the director worked with him on some other project and they got along or whatever. But I don't even know if he's famous enough to do that. Like, I don't know if normie audiences are going to go, oh, yeah, they're right, that is Dennis Quaid. <laughs> kind of be like, they'll be like, what was that guy in? <laughs> Dennis fucking Quaid, don't worry. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. Um, what did I watch? Anything else? Well, we brought up um, Rosario Dawson earlier. I watched a movie just because I like Rosario Dawson this week. It was a movie called Descent, um, where she plays a college student who is raped and eventually takes revenge. But it's not like the other ones we've talked about this week. It's a much more slow-paced, dramatic film where we sort of see the impact of the crime on her. And it's not, I don't, it's not a great film from a plot point, plot perspective or a storytelling perspective, but I pretty much just watched it because Rosario Rosario was on the cover of it and her performance is great. And if you have a vague interest in that, I would recommend it. Uh, But I don't really know what to say about it. It's certainly not a pleasant film to watch. I don't like, I don't really recommend anyone watch the movie because it's very unpleasant to watch. However, if you're a fan of film and you're interested in seeing a solid performance from a great actress, that's an example of one. So I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying the performance is really good in case anyone watches it and then they're openly upset by it, which is a reasonable reaction. And I didn't exactly know what it was about going in, so... Um, but I, don't know, I believe that's it that I watched. Although, uh, no, because technically I watched one other movie and it's much more ridiculous because I watched, uh, okay. again, Tubi keeps recommending shit to me and once in a while I cave. So I did watch Showgirls <laughs> since the last time we talked, <laughs> which I have not seen since it was new. Like since, not even since it was new, since like six months after it was new because when it was first new I was told it was so bad that you couldn't uh, the exact review I was given was that movie's so bad you can't even enjoy the tits um, so when someone told me that I'm like well then why would I watch it and eventually it got my curiosity and I did watch it and they were correct um, but Tubi's gonna Tubi man and it, ca- it recommended it to me like three four times finally I'm like okay whatever um Fine, to be fine. It's like, yeah, that's what it was like. And then I'm like, it's a fascinating film to watch because a lot of like really, really bad films are bad because of a lack of talent. And a lot of really, really bad films are bad because just nobody gives a shit. They're just, they're all just there collecting their paycheck and whatever. Showgirls is just as bad as those other really, really bad films. 
there's really, really talented people involved, and they're all trying really hard. And that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Like, you can tell that they are doing their best, and yet it's so fucking bad, and I don't understand. Okay. It's so bad that I, I still to this day can't tell. Like, I've heard people say that it's not meant to be, like, cheesy and, like, a parody of these types of films. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like, are you sure? Because it would make more sense if it was. Like, I don't know, man. It's fascinating to watch, like, the level of failure that that film is. There's like moments where there's just like a little background character and they'll walk across screen and it'll be like a stand-up comedian that I recognize or some guy that was on some TV show and I don't know his name, but I recognize him. And the thing that goes off in my brain is like, oh man, even the casting director was trying. Like (laughs) they were all trying and this was the result. What an epic failure. You know what I mean? (laughs) I have not watched it. It has to have been over 20 years. Yeah, I mean, and that's the right thing to do, is to not watch it for 20 years. I mean, <laughs> it's, I just, I just get peer pressured by streaming services. That's my problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is, it is mind boggling. It's like, there's a scene in this movie. So like, there's, again, there's a rape scene in this movie. But the idea is, like, this guy goes to, like, a party, this, like, famous singer, and he grabs this girl because she's, like, a huge fan, and he takes her back, and him and his, like, bodyguards force themselves on her. That's a horrific moment. But this movie would have you believe that after the guy does this, he just lets her go back to the party, like, still, like, clearly, like, bleeding and stuff. Like, he doesn't, doesn't have any attempt whatsoever to like drive her home or cover up the crime in any way. Just, or you can go like just opens the door and pushes her back out into the other room because he's done with her now. And you're like, are you trying to, is this meant to be a joke? Because that's how it comes across when you do something this ridiculous. Or are you trying, is this trying to be dramatic? Cause it's not working. If it's trying to be dramatic, you can't be this stupid and try to be dramatic at the same time. I just, I don't get it. Hmm. I, I don't, again, fascinating, not necessarily in a good way. I don't recommend that one. If anyone's, I don't like, don't, like, don't do that experiment. Don't, don't let 2B talk you into watching Showgirls because you think that you should follow whatever it says. <laughs> I don't know, but I believe that's all I could possibly talk about. So what have you got left, Brian, that we haven't covered? Uh, well, uh, my girlfriend and her daughter recommended, like, we were just kind of bored on a Saturday and they're like, well, let's watch a movie. And the daughter really wanted to watch Spider-Man Far From Home because she loves that one because she loves Tom Holland. Fair enough. I was like, okay, so rewatch that. Still enjoyed it. Still good. Yeah. Um, but really, all I got left after that is kind of a highlight of my week last week, since we didn't do the show because Doug uh, was having internet problems. Or no, Doug, you were busy last week. Hey, last week was our planned week off. Yeah, the week before was 
Lando wouldn't go to sleep, and you can't punch a child to knock them out. So, in the interest of fairness, it's not that he wouldn't go to sleep; it's that he couldn't go to sleep. He was laying in his bed, going, "Dad, why can't I sleep? Why can't I sleep?" And he did that for like two and a half hours. Because like, you keep asking questions, go to sleep. Uh, since we didn't do the show on a re- on our regular night, I noticed a nearby theater was doing a Severn double feature. And they were showing uh, Kathy's Curse from 1977 and Burial Ground from 1981. Oh, nice. So, of course, I went because <laughs> I'm just like, well, two, uh, well, realistically, probably two not so great horror movies that I could see at a theater full of people that are excited to see them that I've never seen before. Yeah, let's go. So me and my friend went. Uh, he had no idea what, like... It's like I've never even heard of these movies. And I'm like, yeah. Get, get in not. the car. <laughs> yep, let's go. <laughs> Don't look them up or else you might say no. <laughs> After the first movie, I'm like, you're pretty much regretting coming, aren't you? And he's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm like, all right. Uh, Kathy's curse is just some weirdo, like, uh, supposed to almost be like... Um, an exorcist ripoff, but not really. Um, this family moves into a new house, and their young daughter starts acting really weird and seems possessed. And it turns out, oh, she is possessed by a ghost. Um, but just the way the whole thing plays out, like the way it plays out, the mom almost seems like she's going crazy, so nobody really believes her. Even though she's like, no, I saw our daughter in the window after the cleaning lady was thrown out of the window. No, no, cleaning lady just killed herself. That's all that was. So, like, you know, they pretty much do that to her throughout most of the movie. So she ends up going into a mental hospital and then the dad has to sort of deal with everything. And then he's like, oh, she was right. This little girl in this weird doll she found are killing people oops yeah so then it's like well what the fuck happened who's this ghost all that shit and it's just it's it's not a very well shot movie it's completely ridiculous but man when you put it on a big screen in a theater full of people who are really into this type of shit it plays perfectly uh so we watched that it was fun um, took a break. I won a, uh, I won one of those things that's big now where they make figures out of weird shit that's in movies that's not really action figure worthy. Mm-hmm. And I won a collectible vial of PCP from the movie Wild Beasts, also on, released by Severn. Okay. <laughs> so that's sitting on my movie shelf now, proudly displayed. Yeah. Um, and then we followed that up with Burial Ground from 1981, which is somebody the year before saw Fulci's Zombie, and they're like, "Well, I know somebody that owns like a like a like a very gothic type mansion. I bet we can make our own zombie movie." I also know an unhealthy little person that we could have pretend to be a 12 year old boy. Yes. Really? This movie has this movie has one of those pictures that's like a meme, but you don't know where the uh, where the image came from. And it turns out it's from this movie. Mammy, mammy, which do you I just, remember which I just, I was young and you would breastfeed me, mammy. 
Speaking of not having enough incest in movies anymore. Um, so I just sent it to our chat. Yeah, okay. That, I've seen that picture before, but I have not seen this yep. movie before. So. Nope. So the kid is supposed to be like, what, like 12 years old, would you say? No, yeah, I've, I've seen there? this several times. And he's like, is played by somebody who's obviously like 35, but has some weird growth, like, yeah. disease yeah, or something. Like spinal where, bifida or something. <laughs> where he, he never really grew past, like, you know, four foot five or something. But he's really obsessed with his mom and this weird, like, incestual thing to a point where he just starts making out with her at some point and pulls one of her boobs out of her shirt. And she kind of goes goes along with it for, like, a good, like, five seconds before she's like, no, what are you doing? And I'm just like, man, Italian women are weird. That's, I find that very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these people are staying in this, yeah, like, gothic mansion type thing. Almost almost a castle, but not quite a castle sort of situation. And it turns out, like, a professor had called them all there, and he was researching something. And he stumbles across, like, there's, like, mausoleums, like, uh, like ancient mausoleums underneath this house. And so at some point, of course, all the bodies come back to life. Of course they do, yeah. So... The the zombies are almost like a cross between like Tomb of the Blind Dead zombies and the zombies from Zombie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're those dusty zombies. Yeah. So the zombies themselves look pretty rad, and some of the some of the um, death scenes are pretty cool. But man, a lot of the characters are super annoying, and you're not really sad to see them die. That's something I can get behind, though. Sometimes, like I want to be happy when people die. I did. Yeah. I did. Had you not seen this before? No, uh, I've never seen this before. This is the this is the one that I've brought up several times. Whenever people bring up Bob, the annoying kid, yeah. I'm like the kid from Burial Ground. Like that way creepier. Way mammy. Way creepier. Especially that, that voiceover, the American voiceover, mammy. Yeah. Do you remember when you used to let me touch your breast, Mammy? I wish you'd stop doing that, Noah. Spoiler alert, Doug. He gets his arm bitten off. Oh, see. Later comes back as a zombie. And the mom is like, oh, he's not dead. He's awake. And they're all like, Carolyn, what are you doing? He's obviously dead. She's like, no, no, come to me. Yes, like before. And whips her boob out. And so he starts suckling on it like he's, like, you know, she thinks... But then he just bites her boob off. Well, <laughs> you keep like pushing me away from wanting to see this film and then dragging me back to it. <laughs> You're like, his mom pulls out her boob. And uh, like, oh, that's gross. He bites the boob off. I'm like, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the director obviously uh, was like, we need to come up with ways to have more nudity in this movie. Which I wasn't complaining about, because it's like, you know, late 1970s Italian women. They were all gorgeous. Um, but there's one scene, one all that, scene all where, that like... cocaine, man. Cocaine kept girls thin and hot. But there's a scene where that creepy kid is, like, wandering the halls and stops at one of the doors. And it, it was his mom and whoever having sex, right? now. Is that what it was? Yeah, I believe so. And he's kind of looking at him, and they're in bed, and all you see is her boobs. And she's like, oh, my God. And then, like, jumps out of bed, runs fully naked across the room to grab a sheet to cover herself. 
And I'm just like, what the fuck is she doing? She just made the situation way worse. Yeah, but the movie's just full of shit like that. It sounds delightful, I'm not gonna lie. It's goofy and funny, but, you know... Not as good as Zombie, I would say, but maybe a lot more... That's not fair. Maybe a lot more fun, just because some of the stuff you shake your head at, and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? But again, naked, hot Italian women, so... No complaints. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not sure why that hasn't gone on the list. I think I, think I thought point. maybe we had already done it. Maybe. Yeah, so the first time I saw it, I got to see it on the big screen, which makes me happy. That's fun. I mean, I, like, I wish there was screenings and stuff like that around me, because I, yeah. I do enjoy seeing things like that in that environment. It's the best way, it's the yeah, best way to do it. it. Was, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time at that screen. Um, and I think that's it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week, I don't know what kind of mood I'm going to be in, so I had to find a theme that is technically a theme but also involves movies that could be completely different regardless of the mood I'm in. Okay. So next week is Next of Kin week. Oh. We'll be doing Next of Kin from 1982, which is Australian horror, I believe. And Next of Kin from 1989, which is uh, Patrick Swayze and Liam Neeson (laughs) in an action movie. (laughs) So technically a theme. But no matter what mood I'm in, I'm bound to enjoy one of these. Uh, action movie or weird, ghosty, yeah. haunted uh, retirement home castle movie. Yeah. Or Rednecks versus the Mob. Patrick Swayze having to pick sized. <laughs> sure. I haven't seen either one in a while, but I remember enjoying both at some point. I've never seen the Patrick Swayze one. I do own the uh, the other one on Blu-ray. Yeah. Because uh, Quentin Tarantino overhyped it on the Not Quite Hollywood documentary. Oh, yeah? He said it was like the Australian The Shining. And then was like, and even in some ways, you know, I enjoy it more than The Shining. Sure he does. And I was like, oh, okay. Well. You have to remember that when he said that that there wasn't as many streaming services available so he thought like I'm the only one who's seen this which makes it better than things because I sound cooler and more impressive if I talk about things I've seen that nobody else has seen yeah that sounds like him and then all of a sudden streaming services came along and like people can actually follow you up on your bullshit and be like is it better than The Shining and watch it and go like well I kind of of hate Quentin Tarantino because he likes a lot of the same things that I do <laughs> and he's also a pretentious fuck. Oh, yeah. I agree on movies once in a while, and I'm a pretentious fuck. I'm uh, I'm starting to be less and less of a fan of Quentin Tarantino as time goes on. Yeah, he is one of those filmmakers where it's impossible to not see his personality in his films. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't ignore it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Really started with me with like uh, Hateful Eight. I was not a big fan of. Of course, people went on how much they loved it, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was not a fan of at all. <laughs> people love that movie, and I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. But then I listened to interviews, and he's like, yeah, I wrote up a whole filmography for Rick Dalton of what shows and movies he would have been in around that time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's the kind of stuff you're jerking off to. It's like that's that's the pretentious crap you're talking about where he's just like. You made these comments, same comments like maybe the last time we recorded, but you're still angry about it. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because I hate that, and then they just did a thing because he's got his own podcast, which is enjoyable to listen to uh, when they're talking about other movies. Um, but then out of nowhere, they did this thing where like, oh, if everybody doesn't know, Rick Dalton just passed away. And I'm like, oh, come on. And so they what? did two episodes of the show where they went over movies that Rick Dalton starred in, and they put on the new Beverly, like marquee, like Rick Dalton with the dates he was born and died. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, so they're pretending that his fictional character just passed away. Yes. And I was just like, this is the, that bullshit that I fucking hate. So yeah. I didn't even listen to those episodes. And I'm just like, this is why I'm starting to hate Quentin Tarantino. I think I'll probably not start listening to his podcast. <laughs> seems seems like I'd get frustrated, but <sighs> yeah, just that specific. Like I said, those last couple episodes, I'm just like, don't don't do this. Don't sit around and bullshit like it's real and talk about all this shit. And then people online are like, oh my god, this is such a genius thing. I'm like, no, it's not. It's stupid. Do not encourage him to keep doing shit like this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I said, you you hear him on something talking about like exploitation movies, and you're like, yeah, uh, fuck yeah, I love exploitation movies. And then he's like, yeah, and then I would do this, this, and this, and this. It's like, shut the fuck up. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> cares what you would do, right? Yeah, I don't shut know. up and talk about Razorback, you piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Which is enjoyable. I do like it when he talks about weird shit like that. Yeah. Well, and there was a time when, like, that's how you would get recommendations for movies is by, like, you know, listening to what he had to say or other people like him in these documentaries. Now everyone should just listen to us and take our opinion as valid. (laughs) So we come up with our own character and then kill him off and pretend everything is real and... Isn't that what happened with Scott? Scott wasn't real. We just made him up and then killed him off. That's that's what I'm going with, yes. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.